You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Welcome everyone to another episode of Inflow with Soul. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and today we have Marcy Amaro. Marcy is an educator, she's a speaking expert, a podcaster, and an empowerment coach. She works with new entrepreneurs and business owners, and she has been for about three decades. She helps her clients find the confidence and the tools to refine their voice and increase their impact through public speaking. Marcy, this is a beautiful, perfect platform. Uh, you're yes, it one is. you're very familiar with. Absolutely. One I love, actually. <laughs> I that's fantastic. Marcy and I were recently connected through a um a common contact. And one of the things that uh, Marcy and I connected on is that background of being an educator. Can mm-hmm. we just start there for a little bit? Tell me a little bit about your um educational background and kind of how that led well, let me rephrase that. Did that lead towards entrepreneurship or was there a connection there? Oh, absolutely. So I started my adult career, my adult life as an English teacher. I actually started um, teaching kids who didn't speak English as a first language. So as a teacher of English as a second language. And I actually got the opportunity to teach every single grade level from kindergarten on through college. I then transitioned and got my master's degree in literature. And I taught high school literature for a bit and college literature for a bit. Now, as most educators, will tell you, most of us enter the profession thinking that we are going to make this huge difference in the world, that we are going to get to mold young lives and give them a platform to shine, to find their greatest potential, to tap into every little bit of their creativity and every little bit of their uniqueness and everything that makes them wonderful and amazing, because nobody becomes an educator who doesn't really believe that kids have all of those things in them, right? Um, unfortunately, there's so much in the way the system actually works, that kind of beats that out of the educator and out of the kid. And it becomes increasingly frustrating, especially for those of us who are um, in it really for the kids, who really love them, who really see the potential in them. It's really hard to sustain being in a system that you feel ties your hands behind your back and doesn't really let you do the things that you signed on to do or that you thought you were signing on to do. So as many educators have experienced, I experienced that burnout and that frustration and that feeling of helplessness 
almost that comes from seeing all these wonderful, amazing souls in front of you that right. you want to help be the best that they can be, that you see all this potential in. And especially when you teach high school, by the time they reach you, they are so deflated. They yeah. are so pinned into this small little box where they think they need to fit in. And mm -hmm. there's so much of them that's trying to sneak out of the box, but they try to reel it back in. And it's like this image of a balloon being trapped inside a small box that the balloon just peeks out from all the little corners because it's just trying to get out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and your instinct is, do I pop it or do I break the box? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. Um, unfortunately, many times you want to break the box, but there's so much keeping you from it. And you feel like you're just adding to deflating that wonderful air that was inside that balloon. Um, so then when I had my own children, because I started teaching really young and I didn't get married until I had been teaching for 10 years. Uh, so then when I had children of my own, I started to feel this sense of robbing my kids of my time and my energy so I could go kill the creativity of other people's kids. Oh. And I know that sounds awful, but that's the way I started to feel. Um, yeah. And I admire what educators do. I'm not trying to knock the education system down. I think they do the best they can with what they have. But there's a reason why so many teachers don't last the full tenure of the 30 years teaching. It's a very trying profession. It eats at your soul if you let it, right? Um, yeah. And there are so many other things that you believe you're going to be doing when you go in that are the complete opposite of what you end up doing. And so I found myself just thinking, okay, how can I use my passion for helping kids and people find their greatest potential and achieve everything that they can be and do it in a way that also affords me the time to be with my own kids so that sure. I don't feel like I'm trading my kids for other people's kids yes, <laughs> and right. um, giving them the energy and the time that I need. And so that I can be a better human being for my husband and everybody around me. And that's where I started to think about transitioning into entrepreneurship. Was that, I, I wanted to use the word difficult. I want to not label this for you, but I have, I guess I have already. What was that like for you? Um, that letting go of that, that identity of yourself as an educator who cared about kids and saw what was best of them. And then yet seeing that your own kids needed your time and attention too. What was that like? Oh, it was a tug of war. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Because you keep wanting to believe that you can make this difference, right? And you keep wanting to believe that there's a reason and a purpose. And you keep seeing all these kids that you get invested in because you do. You get sure. so invested in your students. You get so invested in their lives and in their goals and their dreams and everything that they want to do that it's hard to let go of that. Plus, it is, like you said, your identity. You yeah. are not just someone who teach. You are a teacher. You are not just someone who helps kids. You are their counselor and their aide. And you are all these things that are involved in that teacher title that a lot of people don't realize, right? Mm -hmm. So it is truly an identity. And for me, the biggest difficulty or the biggest shift was understanding that I will forever be an educator regardless of what my job is, right? So right. my identity as an educator hasn't changed. I mm -hmm. will always and forever be an educator. And everything I do, I approach the way an educator does. So I'm always teaching. 
I'm always helping people. I'm always looking for ways to encourage and empower them and to give them new tools and new strategies. So that that ties in perfectly, I think, with the way I've been able to find a segue into this other aspect of my life that um, allows me to be more for my kids, be more for my husband, be more for my, be more for myself, while at the same time tapping into that inner identity that has to educate and that has to help. Exactly. I love, I like how you are very um, clear on where your identity is and, and where it's not, right? It's not that I have to be a teacher in front of kids in a classroom, I, I, you can't take the teacher out of me, basically, is what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so regardless of, of how I, how I show up next, um, being an educator is always going to be a part of that for you. Absolutely. And I think that that's an advantage for those of us who have that identity of the educator as we enter into entrepreneurship and business ownership, because I I have found in working with clients and in helping people that what becomes the hardest for entrepreneurs and business owners is understanding that part of the sales process is Mm -hmm. made a lot simpler and a lot smoother by simply putting on that educator hat. So when you understand the transformation that educators can bring, When Mm -hmm. you understand that the sales process should be this taking people from point A to point B, walking them through a gap and helping them understand how they can walk that length, right? Right. Alongside you with the tools that you give them, but they need to walk the length. Then you understand that you're teaching and that's a big part of what the sales process is. So those of us who come to the entrepreneurship world with the educator hat on, with those tools, with those skills. I believe we have a little bit of a smoother transition when Mm -hmm. we come to that part of the process than those people who just think, oh, this is just sales or this is just creating a product and putting it out there. So we see it differently. And I think that that's an advantage. I agree. You know, even as you were describing that, um, my husband is also a former educator um, and is now in sales in industrial industry. Um, Mm -hmm. And he says the same thing. Like he uh, he approaches his sales as an educator. And, you know, so he's not showing up just saying, you know, here, this this product, this product, this product. He's looking at what is what is it that you're trying to do here, asking those questions to help them because sometimes they don't know what they're trying to do. They just know they need something different, right? Um, so he being an educator helps gives him the, those tools of helping to ask the right questions. And then when he knows what it is that they want to create, then it's then this is something you might want to consider, right? So we're giving them what the the solution is, and then helping them understand how that solution fits their their problem. Mm-hmm. I never thought of. I mean, we, we Mark and I have these conversations, and of course we recognize it in one another. But I guess I've never even thought about it from an outside perspective until our conversation just now. So well, thank thanks. you for for that little little reframe here, but you're right. It, it really is. The sales process is about educating more than it is about selling. Absolutely. Um, and I especially think that's an important now that, Yeah. Especially now that we're so much in the online space, one of the transitions, if you study the trends of online creators and um, especially those who sell 
products like home studies or online courses or anything like that, one of the transitions and the trends that you will notice is that they're moving more to transformative sales. So they're moving more away from, okay, this is my pitch and this is my stack of things that I'm offering to, okay, this is the transition I offer. This is how you can see yourself at the other end of this result or of this process that I will walk you through. And this is what you should be thinking about in the process. And again, like you said, asking the right questions because that inquiry process is not natural to everybody. In fact, it's quite difficult to some people, especially to do it in a way that feels natural and that doesn't feel like you're putting people through an inquisition and pointing fingers, right? So when you have been an educator, and that's a big part of your day is asking those higher order thinking questions, is making sure that you are helping them come up with the solution and not just feeding it to them, right? Then exactly. you see that in the sales process and then it's it's a lot smoother, right? Agreed. And, and again, I really appreciate us digging into this topic a little bit because uh, recently I've, I've become aware of this conscious entrepreneur movement, right? Those of us who are in business, not only to make the world a better place, but, you know, to bring people in with us to help us make the world a better place. And of course, we want product, profit. So, so that's the conscious entrepreneur, but I think this conversation, I think you use the word transformational selling is yeah. I think one of the, the key differences between maybe traditional or more an egocentric driven uh, business, right? Where you have your pitch, you have your deck. This is what I do. Here's how I do it. You know, and you just give it to them. It's, it's more of a do to process versus what I heard you describe is really a do with process. You know, we Absolutely. come w- with our knowledge of our products and our services and the kinds of problems we solve. And Absolutely. so then we were able to listen. So for those of you who may sometimes feel like the the lead generation kinds of activities that you have to do just don't fit you, you might think about this transformational kind of selling. And, and it's really about helping people understand their problem, helping uh, being us on our end, being really clear then about what benefits we get to our, for our clients. And then mm-hmm. a few bits about the, the piece in the middle. How do we help them move from point A to point B? Absolutely. So, absolutely. So yeah, I was go, just going to say that. Back. Sorry, a, a big part of that too is that there's so much information out there right now. People are overloaded with information. So if we keep to the traditional way of doing things, we're just feeding them more information that just it's added to the pool of stuff that is swimming in there in their brains. But if we focus on what you just said, okay, this is the transformation. This is how we can transition. And this is how we can make it so that it makes sense to you. Then it doesn't get added to the pool of just noise of information. Noise. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So, um, so take us back then. Thank you for this little uh, piece here on on selling. I think that's really important. But I I do want to hear more about your experience then. So you you decide to leave your job as a teacher and transform your role as an educator. So tell me a little bit about what came next for you. Well, it took me a long time to make the full transition because there is so much ingrained in us, especially when we start through a traditional path that Mm -hmm. feels like 
getting the rug pulled out from under you, right? So what about the health insurance? And what about the retirement? And what about the dental plan? And what about like all these little things? So for the Mm -hmm. longest time, I tried to hang on to both sides of the world, right? So I started working with entrepreneurs part-time while I was still doing my teaching full-time. And then I started to pull my hair out because I was like, okay, wait a minute. I started this whole side journey because I wanted more time with my kids and my family. And what I'm really doing is spreading myself even thinner and not figuring out how to let go from one side to the other. So for those of you that might be listening, that might be thinking, yeah, that's it's hard to let go of your security. It's hard to let go. Um, What finally took me to that space where I said, you know what, I can't do this anymore was getting really clear on what my values were, why I started the whole process in the first place, right? And when it came down to it, the reason I started was because my top value was my family. And then I realized that what was making everything harder was the fact that I wasn't aligning with that top value of family. I was actually doing something that went against what that top value was. So when I was able to come to that place, um, and this is funny because I use this when I talk to my clients who are hold the, you know, who are um, convinced that what I have to offer is what they want, but they're like, no, but I need to talk to my spouse. I always use this part because when I finally sold myself. And I finally enrolled myself in the fact that I needed to stop this dichotomy, that I needed to stop splitting myself in two, and that this was what I needed to do for my values, for myself, for my peace of mind, for my health, for all these things. All I had to do was tell my husband, you know, I've been struggling with this. This is the answer. And he was like, okay. (laughs) So I often tell them, you know, your spouse probably knows unless you've been keeping everything a secret from them. They know what you've been struggling with. They know how hard it's been. They know what you're looking for. And they will trust that you know what you need to do if you are convinced of what you need to do. So you only really need to discuss it with your spouse if you've never had a conversation before with them, in which case, please do go have a conversation with them. Right, right. If you've been having this conversation with them, if they've seen your struggle, if they've seen everything you've gone through, once they see that you're convinced, they will be convinced too. So that was a key thing for me was just realizing how easy it was for him to say yes, once he saw that I was convinced that that was a yes too. So yeah. You know, I think that piece right there, though, that um, believing in ourselves, um, I think you described it as enrolling yourself, right? Um, That piece has also can take us some time, right, to to get to that place. Um, And I've... I think this whole conscious entrepreneur is is an example for me of one of those big clicks. You know, we mm-hmm. have these little clicks like, okay, yep, that's the right yeah. piece. Yep, here's the right piece. <laughs> for me, this yeah. is like, oh my gosh, this is the right piece. And you're absolutely right. Because um, when when then I went to my husband and I said, all right, you know, I think this this audience needs a magazine and, and here's why. And he doesn't know anything <laughs> about the details of what I do, but he could see my passion in it. Yeah. And, you know, th- that just having him like, yeah, I trust you. Of course. Try it. W- was probably the best encouragement that I could have received. Um, so, again, that, that piece of 
believing in yourself. And if you can't believe in yourself yet, find someone who can help believe in you for you while mm-hmm. you're working up to it. Because I have a, and I'm sure you do too, right? A whole network of peers who see in me the the skills and, and the gifts that I hadn't been, you know, willing up until that point to look at myself. And Absolutely. having that team believe in me and trust in me uh, helped me propel until I got to those clicks. Like, yes, Absolutely. this is the piece. Yes, this is that piece. So I can't overestimate the the value of having those people on your team that are willing mm-hmm. to hold that space for you until you can get there. Having a network, having a network. Um, there's a story, I think it's T.D. Jakes that tells the story of the giraffes and the turtles. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I don't um, think I have. But you haven't. Um, he talks about how the giraffe is up here and the turtle is down there going, oh, you can't eat that high leaf up there. You can't be up there trying to eat all that that's up there, all that that's high. You're never going to make it. You can't do it. You can't, you can't, you can't. And being all negative. And what he says is you eat at the level of your vision, right? So there's nothing that the turtle is doing that is innately trying to hold you back. It's just what they can see. They cannot see at the level of the giraffe, right? But if the giraffe giraffe tries to go down and eat at the level of the turtle because of it. uh, The giraffe has a 25 pound heart, right? So when it lowers its head for too long, it passes out. So you can't lower your vision either to the level of the turtle. So you have to continue eating at the level of your vision, understanding that the turtle is talking from what they understand and what they experience at the low level, but you can't bring yourself down to that level. So find other giraffes that eat at your level. Beautiful story. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I I love that metaphor. Yeah, it's amazing. So he does so a much better you, job with it than I do. <laughs> uh, well, I I don't know about that. You you described it and told that story very well. So uh, let's go back to your story then as the entrepreneur, right? And mm-hmm. so you're making this decision. You're realizing that you can't do both. What mm-hmm. happens next? So then I started to uh, figure out where I wanted to focus my energy and where I wanted to niche down, right? Because part of, at least the process for me was, okay, I'm doing this part-time, so I'm interested in this. Let me go and dive into this for a little bit. But now I'm interested in this other thing, so let me go on. So I kept nipping at different things for the longest time. And by the time I made the decision, I had a 100 different ideas that I had started but never taken completely to fruition, right? Okay. So it was trying to figure out which one is going to be the one that I am going to move forward with. Understanding that you can always pivot, but you have to take something to the point of completion, right? To the point of mastery before you keep diving into all these other things. So my passion and my big um, area of expertise is communication, Right. I believe that communication is the heart of everything that we do. You cannot be a positive human being, let alone a successful human being, unless you learn how to communicate effectively with the people around you. And like you were talking before about the network and all that, you can't do anything in a silo. You really can't. I mean, you can try, but ultimately you're going to drive yourself crazy and you're going to wear yourself thin and it's not going to be sustainable in the long run. Exactly. So my main thing was communication. 
education and coming from an education background, I had seen so many struggles of parents and children, and especially parents and teenagers trying to understand one another and trying to connect and all these things, that that was my first instinct was to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. Well, I found out through a lot of different experiences that it's a very trying niche to go into. It's not impossible. People do it all the time, but it was more than I had bargained for. I didn't, I'm generally speaking, and you might have noticed this already, a very positive person. And in the space of parenting, for some reason, there's so much focus on the negative and there's very little room for you to build unless you start from the negative, right? Like Mm, if parents think they're doing okay, they're not going to look to get better for the most part. A few do, but for the most part, it's very hard to convince them. It's very uphill. There's a lot of persuasion that has to take place. And I didn't want to be in the the business of convincing people that they needed something, Right. right? right? That's not what I wanted to do. So then I started thinking about other things. Very long story short, I eventually pivoted to understanding that if 90% of human beings are afraid of public speaking, but that is something that I actually enjoy, that I have trained on. I had been in my educational experience. I had been a debate and forensics coach. I had Mm. been a member of many speaking communities and all these things. So I figured, you know what, why not focus on that? And that's where I finally found my niche. Beautiful. So, so let's talk about that a little bit then. So what are the kinds of challenges that your ideal clients come to you with? So let me go back to that statistic that I just mentioned, right? The latest statistics I have been able to find say that about 90% of us have some sort of resistance to speaking in front of the public, right? And it's perfectly understandable when you realize that speaking in front of people, it's having eyes on you. And our primitive brain, the one that is in charge of the fight, flight, or freeze response, right, sees those eyes on you as a possible attack as predators looking on you, right? So that primitive brain sees those those eyes and thinks, oh, they're getting ready to pounce. They're going to attack me. This is a dangerous situation. And you're going to fight, flight, or or freeze, right? And so 90% of us have some sort sort of reaction along those lines. Only about 10% of us are fully comfortable standing in front of a group of people. And it has absolutely nothing to do with whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you you're shy or not shy, that is not what makes the difference when it comes to standing in front of people. There are perfectly outgoing people who, if you put them on a stage, will freeze. And there are perfectly shy people who will do well, right? So the difference is not so much in your personality, but in your framing of the situation. Right. Okay. So we were sure. talking about, yeah. So we were talking about framing before. So that mm-hmm. is the very first thing that we need to tackle when we're talking about public speaking and overcoming that fear of public speaking. If we can frame any speaking experience as a one on one conversation with someone who wants to help you and be helped by you, mm-hmm. then the fear starts to lessen. Right. So whether you're talking like we are right now, one on one, or or whether we're talking to a stage full of uh, or an auditorium full of people, like thousands of people, if we can in our brain frame it as no, I'm not talking to 3000 people. I'm talking to that one person. Yeah. And that one person wants me to do well. 
And that one person wants to learn from me. And that one person wants to help me and be helped by me. And then I can focus to another person, right? But I'm going one person at a time, one pair of eyes at a time. Then we can reframe it in such a way that lessens that fight, flight, or freeze response, right? Yeah. It's not that it's going to take the fear away completely, right? Some people that have been on stages for decades still talk about being scared every time they do it, but they can get past that fear because they Mm -hmm. understand that they are not there to talk to a million people. They're there to talk to one. Right. Yeah. And so that's the first um, big thing is to deal with understanding that. And a lot of people that come to me, the first thing they say is, oh, but I'm so shy or I'm so introverted or I just don't know what to say. That's another big one. And Mm -hmm. we start by, okay, you have conversations every day. (laughs) Let's reframe. (laughs) Let's reframe this whole talking in front of people and call it a conversation. And you're conversing with one person at a time. And that's the first big shift. That seems like it would be a very big shift indeed. Yeah. Um, Because just the way that you were describing it, I'm imagining myself on a stage. Now, again, I appreciate those who have that fight or flight. But again, being in front of so many classrooms and so many um, professional developments and, you know, some of them go well, some of them don't go well. Yeah. Having having survived that and and know that I that I can that aside, but just to what I what I heard when you were saying talking to that one person, one person wants me to do well and they want to learn from me. To me, yeah. that's that I just have this image of an exchange of some compassion there. Absolutely. And when I'm feeling compassion towards that person, or I'm feeling their compassion towards me, my defenses go down. Absolutely. And that's the second big shift, actually. Sorry, I just interrupted you. Um, But that's the second big shift, too, is understanding that most human beings operate from positive intent, right? Yes. Very few people, if any, unless they are going through something terrible, right? Right, They don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to make everybody else's life miserable, right? Everybody wakes up and goes into their day and every situation throughout their day with this thought of how can I make it better for myself and for others? And that is Mm -hmm. the underlying heart of pretty much every human being who is not going through some sort of thing that they need help with, right? Um, So if you understand that, like you said, everything becomes just this compassionate exchange of two human beings who want to feed off of each other's success, who want to feed off of each other's positive energy, right? Yeah. That, and, and I'm feeling it right here, right now. And, and maybe that's one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is that opportunity to feel that one-on-one with the guest and and as they share their stories and their expertise. Um, it's, that's a beautiful thing. So that's a big shift. What other shifts um, do you help your clients walk through? The other big shift is the I don't have anything to say or everything has been said, um, which to me amount pretty much to, well, not the same thing, but very similar things, right? Um, I usually help them with the everything has been said piece before, because that was one that honestly was a big struggle for me as well. Coming from a space in which you are literally given a curriculum that everybody pretty much follows the same thing if you're teaching the same subject you get that feeling that everybody's saying the exact same thing. 
But then understanding that even within the teaching, I taught literature alongside four other colleagues that taught the same course. And yet I had students that loved being in my classroom and had others that couldn't stand being in my classroom, right? And loved being in another teacher's classroom, even though it was the same content. So the first thing to understand is that you might be saying something that is very similar, even identical to someone else, but your way of delivering that is going to be completely different because you are a unique human being. And that moves us also into this other shift that people need to have of feeling like they need to model or be like all these amazing speakers that are out there. No, you don't. You need to be you because you are the secret sauce that's going to be melted into everything else and make it so that you are the one that other people resonate with. I always tell it this way. If you are a parent of how for, or have been around kids ever, <laughs> you know <laughs> that you can tell the kid the same thing 20,000 times and they won't hear you. Then someone else comes and says the exact same thing. And suddenly they go, oh, why didn't you say that? And you're sitting there going, I just said that like 20 right, right, million right. times right? And it's not about what you say. It's about the way it was delivered or the person that it came from, right? Like some connection, some resonance between that person and the kid. So the same thing happens with the audience. You are going to have people who are going to just see you smile and are going to know because they know that they know that they have to work with you just because of the way you smile, right? Or they're going to hear a story you say, or the way you tell or explain something, or just simply the way you dress. I mean, it might be as simple as that. And they're going to say, you know what, that's the person that I want to work with. And they will trust you almost instantaneously. Now there will be others that your voice will be annoying to them, that they will see you smile and think you're fake, that they will see the way you dress and think you're pretentious or whatever, right? Right, So there will be both sides, but that is all part of that. You have to, and the shift that I try to help my clients go through is understanding that, yes, there might be, and there probably will be other people out there who have a similar message to yours. It might even sound identical when you look at it. Because there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that was to be said has been said at some point or another. But the way you say it with your combination of your voice, your tone, your smile, your expertise, your level of empathy, your stories that you bring, your life experience. Nobody else has all those things in the exact same way at the exact same level. So you... You are unique and somebody will resonate just with you because of the way you do what you do. So that's a big, big piece. And then the other one that I had mentioned was, I have nothing to say. Well, yes, you do. Everybody has something to say. And the right. key is um, one of my mentors calls it making, turning your mess into a message. Whatever you have struggled with in the past, somebody else is struggling with in the present. So if you can think back to all the things that you have overcome, if you can think back to all the things that you have become an expert in, and everybody's an expert at something. Most of us are experts at many things. And you can think back to those things that bring you passion. I always tell my clients, think to when you were three and you were playing without inhibitions and you were just letting loose and being whatever you wanted to be. What did you gravitate towards? And what have you stopped looking at since you turned maybe 12 or 13? 
that you used to be really, really passionate about or that really used to catch your attention that you could spend hours playing at or playing with or doing. And then when you reached a certain age, you started thinking that it was too childish or that it wasn't for you or that it didn't match all these other things that you were being told you needed to be and start thinking about how maybe you can bring those into now and use them as part of your message because that's a big part of your passion. I, oh, I love this part. Um, Because again, one of the big challenges that I've seen with a lot of my clients is that that idea that I don't know what my purpose is, right? What's the big why? And and recently, I had a conversation actually with one of my clients about this particular topic. And, you know, I was I had put on some social media, something about, um, our purpose isn't something outside of us. So a lot of us, if we're talking about a big why, our big why is our family or our community or something like that. Yeah. But that's that's putting it outside of us, right? Because at three years old, unless and and maybe at three years old, we in, in our in our play, it was all about um, creating a family, right? So it's not that family can't be that, but what you what we're really talking about is who do I want to what do I want to experience by being this for my family or um, by being that person who brings out the best in other people. Yeah. That that is that that is a purpose, but we're really looking for that experience. And so Absolutely. it's it's kind of then what is the experience that I want to give and share with other people is kind of how I've started to think about this whole purpose thing. Yeah. The thing is that purpose feels like so elusive and so out there. It's it's it hard and you can spend a lot of time spinning on, okay, what is my purpose? And never really feel like you got there because it just feels so huge. But we don't need to start at what is my big purpose because it, that is going to become cl- crystal clear as you start walking the steps in what you are passionate about or what aligns with your values the best, right? So those exactly. are the two measures that I give my clients. It's okay, forget about purpose because that just feels like this massive mountain that we can't climb over. <laughs> And honestly, it really is because if we are honest with ourselves, we won't really reach our purpose until we're ready to leave this planet. Let's just be honest. So if we can instead think about, okay, what things are you passionate about and where are your values? What are your top values? And where can you find that alignment, that connection between the things that you're passionate about and your values? Then you start finding what you just said, that experience that you can share with others that is going to help them accept accelerate and advance towards their own experiences and their own getting closer mm-hmm. to that purpose that feels so elusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That that intersection between passion and values is, and again, we, I appreciate your, you pointing out that purpose is big and we mm-hmm. don't need to put our life on hold, our business on hold until we figure that out. Because I think, honestly, I think we know, right? And if we're just quiet with ourselves and trust ourselves and trust our va- our purpose and our pa- our excuse me our uh, passions and our values we i think we can just be rest assured that we are serving a purpose whether it's the purpose or my purpose whatever <laughs> you're serving a purpose and you can always pivot you can always 
choose choose a new purpose so and that's that's um, part of it too like once we say okay what's my purpose we feel like it has to be this one overarching thing that is unmovable unshakable that has to be set in stone chiseled in marble <laughs> never to be touched again and when we start feeling a need to pivot then we feel guilty because wait a minute but this was my purpose why am i shifting and that's one of the reasons why i don't like talking about the big overarching purpose. One of the things that I tell my clients is if you're breathing, you have a purpose, right? Yeah. Whether right. that is the same as it was 10 years ago or a new one, that doesn't matter. But if you're still sure. breathing, there's still purpose to you. So the way you get closer to purpose, not the purpose or my purpose, just purpose in general, is to mm -hmm. pick something that you're going to focus on now that aligns passion and value. Just pick something, focus on that one thing, And then as you move forward, because without action, I mean, uh, clarity doesn't come from thinking, it comes from doing. So the more you do and the more you move forward, the clearer your path will become. And eventually you will see how many different little purposes you fulfilled in your life as you look back, right? <laughs> yes, right. And, I, and honestly, that's an, an exercise I really love to do with my colleagues and with my clients is let's look back. Let's look back to the past year, three years. 10 years, 12 years, whatever it is, and see where you've been. Because sometimes, especially if we feel like we're spinning our wheels, um, that look back at where we started from and how far we have come can be that validating piece. Like, oh my, okay, even though maybe I don't know what I'm doing, right? Because I don't feel like I know what I'm doing, but I'm trusting whether it's God or the universe or some sort of of higher power, divine intervention, right? As long as I can just keep working with it, I'm going to be successful. Yeah. And that's a big part of it too, I think, or at least in, in my belief system, there, there has to be a certain level of faith and a belief that grace will come, right? Um, there's uh, in the Bible, and I'm not making this religious, but in the Bible, there's a, a proverb that says that to the person with talents, their talents will make their way for them. They will open the doors for them. And I believe that as long as you can honestly and genuinely identify those talents, which are the things that you have lived through, the experiences that you have mastered, the things that you've overcome, and you focus on, okay, how can I make these talents useful, not just for me, but for others, then the door will open. The door will open. Exactly. Exactly. Well, before we close, I would love to hear maybe a story of a client that you worked with and you you helped them find their voice. What were they able to either experience or create as a result <laughs> of that? All right. So I had my favorite client story up to this point is this one client that refused to stand in front of a camera. She just did not want to have anything to do with being in front of a camera or being seen by people. She felt she looked awkward. She didn't like the way she looked. She just didn't. But she had such a beautiful product. Like her business was actually a product um, okay. that she could bring to the marketplace. But you need visibility regardless of whether it is a service or a product. And I kept telling her, look, if people only knew 
your passion and where this comes from, they would flock to buy your product because they would just fall in love with you. And she was just adamant that no, she was not going to stand in front of people. She was not going to talk in front of people. And I said, okay, let's work through this. Let's figure out, first of all, what your message is, what you want people to know. Let's just focus on that. You don't have to worry about the camera. You don't have to worry about anything else. Let's just get clear on what it is that you want to do with this product. Well, her product had to do with beautifying yourself, which is ironic considering how she felt about herself, right? And um, it was an organic product that she and her sister came together and created, and it was beautiful. And it used all, they were from Puerto Rico, and it used all local, locally sourced things and beautiful, beautiful product. And we went through and we refined the message and we got it to the point where she finally understood that this is what she wanted to share with people. And this is what was going to make their product stand out because of the message that they were delivering. And I said, okay, now would you be willing to sit in front of me, just talking to me? You don't have to look at anything else and just have a camera behind me. And we're just talking and we're just chatting and you're looking at me and you're not worrying about anything else. Well, very long story short, we got through an hour and a half of talking. She forgot eventually about the camera. She got so involved in her message and on how passionate she was about things. And then when she saw it, she saw her own passion shine through. So she loved the video because she was able to finally see, oh, wait, people can see how passionate I am, can't they? And I said, that's the point. Because you weren't focusing on the million people that might watch it. You were focusing on having the conversation with me and you allowed your passion to come through. And so when you can see that transformation, when they finally get to that point where they understand that it's not about how they look, it's not about the way their voice sounds. It's, I mean, and you, you can refine all those things, right? You can sure, refine sure. your to- tone, of vo- uh, tone of voice. You can refine a lot of things, but it's not about any of those things. People really don't care. The only thing they care about is the passion that comes through and whether they feel they can trust you and relate to you in whatever message you're delivering. That is a fabulous story. (laughs) So for all of you listeners who um, are thinking, yes, this is me, I don't like public speaking, I would encourage you to reach out to Marcy and have a conversation with her about what it is that that you want to create that you haven't been able to create and and you think speaking might be one of those obstacles for you. Reach out to Marcy. So Marcy, where will they find you? The best way to reach me is via email. And it's real easy. Marcy, M-A-R-C-Y, at Marcy, A-M-A-R-O is my last name, amaro.com. You can always visit my website, marciamaro.com. And I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. So if you're on any of those social media platforms, you can just DM me, reach out. Um, Again, M-A-R-C-Y, A-M-A-R-O. I think on Instagram, there's a period in between the Marcy and the Amaro, but you'll see it. Just look for the Marcy Amaro with the gray hair. Oh, Marcy, thank you so much um, for sharing not only your expertise, uh, but also your story and your passion. Your passion definitely shines through your speaking as well. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this platform. And I'm so glad that we got to meet each other, Dr. Mary. <laughs> I am too. I This is delightful. And um, as we're wrapping up here again for the listeners, um, you've probably heard me talk about the Conscious Entrepreneur now for uh, a couple of episodes. This is coming. We are creating a magazine for this audience. Um, there, was, there will be more information coming. You can email me at mary at mmgcoaching.com if you have questions or if you have an idea like, oh, this this person needs to be a contributor or these are people that you need to talk to, that's what we're looking for now. So thank you for listening to this episode. And Marcy, thank you again for sharing with us today. Thank you for having me. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.